Today's going to be a little bit different, as I said, because usually we start off with a new series. And in fact, our new series this month is going to be called Loving Your Enemies. What a more apt title than in political season, right? Love your enemies. But today, we're not actually going to start off in that series. We're going to do, as we said, we're going to do a special uh, Sunday today where it's all about recognizing a day that is to honor or to, uh, or to really kind of honor and to spread the news about the need for orphans to be looked after. And the Bible says that orphans and widows are the two that are the least amongst us, or the vulnerable, we could even just call them collectively. Now, technically, there is a Sunday every year, and that Sunday is next week of Orphan Sunday, but we decided we wanted to do it on this first Sunday. Why? Because this is our Go Big Sunday, and we really wanted to kind of demonstrate what it is to go big. Every first Sunday of the month, we do a thing called Go Big Sunday. And uh, it's about our vision to try and grow our church into a church of generations, to build a new property, and to actually have a much wider reach. But we wanted to talk about something that is close to our hearts. Now, what is it about? Well, simply just about Christians standing for orphans, for foster care, and for the vulnerable. The Christian Alliance for Orphans do this thing every year that they called Be the Light. Be the Light. And I wanted to kind of look at something that I think it was really important today about how this is something that is very important to us and how we as Christians have actually taken a step, are taking steps to say, yes, we want to be the change in people's lives. Now, why should we do this? Why should we care about this? Well, number one, because it's in God's heart. Orphans and widows and the vulnerable are primarily in God's heart. We know that. Number two, it transforms us and it transforms the children and the widows who are changed themselves, right? It's about transforming lives. And in number three, I believe it's about transforming the world. That the world don't just look at us and say, oh, they're good people. But that they look at us and say, those are people who truly live out their faith. Even if they don't subscribe to what we believe, even if they don't believe there is a God, they can look at us and say, they believe there is a God, and they have proven it by living out their faith, by doing what they said. And I remember years ago, an atheist saying, I expect a Christian to try and convert me, because if he doesn't try and convert me, then he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe I'm going to hell, so he should try and convert me. I believe that the world is waiting to see if we will live out, of, will live out our faith. Now, some say, and I've heard this said, that Christians are only concerned with abortion. When it comes to political things or voting, we only care about abortion. What about the children who then do come into the world and then they are not actually adopted and they have no family and they have no opportunity in life? I think, personally, I think that's a thin defense of abortion, right? And abortion for me is, up, is the first place where people become orphans, when they're rejected in the womb. And I believe that they are the most vulnerable amongst us. And I believe that is the highest priority that I personally have as a Christian to make sure that I stand up in defense of them. Does it mean that there isn't other people who need to be defended? No, there's other people that need to be defended. There are other situations that need to be resolved in our country. But the number one most vulnerable and weak and undefended person is a person who is in the womb, correct? 
And if you'd like to, if you'd like to know how you should consider uh, 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 even voting this, this, uh, this, this, this season, I am not here to tell you how you should vote. We actually have information at the back if you'd like to see a very clear break- breakdown on what one party does versus the other party. I'm not here to tell you what you should do, but I know for me and my house, we believe that this is the closest thing to God's heart is the vulnerable and the most vulnerable, which are widows and orphans. And I say, I say that the comprehensive care is what churches do and should be doing from the womb to the grave. That's what the church should be doing. In fact, every time I look at Scripture, I don't see any Scripture that only talks about orphans only. I see every Scripture where it refers to orphans, it also talks about widows, right? It goes from the grave to, sorry, from the womb to the grave. Well, sometimes the womb is the grave for some people, but it goes from the womb to the grave. And that is, I believe, the core thing that is in God's hearts. And I believe that Christians are doing something about it. You know what my proof is? Look at these people on the screen. These are people in our church, and I know there's many others of you who, yeah, go ahead. I know that there's many others of you who have been adopted or you have adopted other people or that, or that you are in foster care, but these are the pictures that we could get. Look how gorgeous these people are. People who are adults today who were adopted, people who are children, people who are in foster care. It's people who are putting their faith into action, putting their faith into action. It's a thin argument to say that we should just try and resolve people's problems by just getting rid of them from the womb, when the fact is these people are evidence of church in action, of love in action. And today what I want to do, as I've, I've actually invited our children's pastors, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Grace, to come out today and to share with us what it is that God has done in their lives with foster care and how it's completely transformed their lives. Hey, Pastor, can you give them a, a round of applause this day? It's a lovely song. Uh, so, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Grace, can you share with us why you have gotten into this? Why, how is it you got to this place? And what do you think God is telling us through what you've experienced? So we started fostering two and a half years ago. Um, and um, I've got notes so I can get through this. The, um, there's a lot of you guys that have been in foster care or been adopted. Um, if you're online, if you guys have been adopted or been in foster care or have adopted or have supported someone who's doing this in any way, Will you type it in the chat? Just say foster or adopt. Just type it in. And if you're here um, and it's affected your life, like you've, a lot of you have supported us financially or prayed for us, encouraged us, supported other families in this church, would you raise your hand for me and just to show everybody who's involved in this ministry? It's not just five fam- or ten mm-hmm. families on the screen. Everybody, it's so many people mm-hmm. that are actually involved in this. It's a really, really amazing thing. Um, so two and a half years ago, we started fostering. We're about to adopt um, but when we first got married, God put it on our heart to um, have a lot of kids, to work with kids, and we had this big dream that we wanted to have an orphanage or work with orphans or something. When we first, before we got married, we were dreaming about that, and it seemed silly. And every single year, um, we'd write it down as a goal that we wanted to um, start the, the steps towards foster care. We would look into foster care was our, our goal every year, look into adoption every year. We'd go over goals together. And, um, you know, God, 
anytime money got tight, anytime time got tight, God would remind me of a word that he gave me um, when I first started at this church full-time. And it was, um, take care of my kids and I'll take care of you, is what I, he always told me. So anytime time got tight, anytime money got tight, anytime just we felt like we couldn't handle it, I, I, he proved that true over and over and over again through a lot of you, um, through miracles in our family, through hard times when, um, when I lost my dad, like stuff like that happened, and he just proved himself over and over again that he would take care of us if we took care of his kids. Um, and that was something we've stood on the whole way through. Um, so when we started this thing, I had a good job. I was making more and more money every year. Our kids were finally out of diapers. We're like, things were comfortable and good, and we're on an anniversary weekend, and we're talking about just dreams we have for our family. And um, I remember riding in the car with my wife and saying, why do we always say we want to look into it? Why don't we actually just do it? Why don't we actually go take a class? Why don't we start this? And so we decided on that relaxing anniversary weekend, like, let's go take a foster care class. And so we took the classes, and in those classes, they, for foster care at least, they, they just beat it into your head. You're not going to adopt. You're not going to get a baby. You're going you're gonna to help someone in need, and that's all you're there for is to help them in need for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year, whatever it would be. And so, like, that is stuck in my head. Like, that's, that's what we're doing. We're here to help this family. And so we take the classes, and um, we get uh, immediately placed with a, a six-day-old, beautiful little girl. And um, um, it was actually in the Target parking lot in Winter Garden. It was like a, the weirdest. We, we pulled up and met somebody, and they handed us a baby, which seems so strange. Um, but that's how badly they needed someone. They, they had background checks and everything. It wasn't just a... But um, <laughs> it wasn't like I was buying something off Craigslist. It was actually really... There was extensive stuff done. Um, but it was, she was six days old, and they said, this is just going to be temporary until a more long-term solution can happen. And um, so they're like, okay, well, we'll watch her. And then a couple days turned into a couple weeks, turned into the, the summer. We had a youth trip. We're going to Georgia with a lot of the youth in this church, and so our kids were coming with us, so we brought her with us. Um, turned into a much longer time, and I, I remember consciously making the decision that, um, and it hurt to say, like, she has to be my daughter for this time being. You know, I'm not just watching someone else's kid. She has no father. Her mom needs help, but this girl needs a, needs a, needs a daddy. And um, I remember just getting along with God and saying, okay, I'm willing to do that. Like, I know you're going to take care of me. And I know it's going to hurt like hell when she goes back home. But if I hold anything back from her, then she's not going to have a dad. You know, she, she needs it now and she can't handle not having it now and I'll have to handle it later when, it, when she leaves. So, um, that was big um, and it proved to be true again because um, when I made the switch to come here full time and, and leave my job, um, that's when Chloe got really sick and um, I had to go to the hospital with her for a week straight and stay in there, breathing problems, fevers, just skin issues, all kinds of things going on with her, and just stay with her and stay with her. And um, after the fact, we find out that our caseworkers, or her caseworkers said, you know, most foster kids, they just, they, they leave them in the hospital, the nurses take care of them, and they do a good job. And I was like, but that's my daughter. Like, I can't, I would never leave my daughter. I would never leave my daughter in the hospital by herself. 
Like I, I stayed the night for a week straight with her. And um, it turned out to be one of the hardest, most exhausting things I've ever done, but one of the most amazing things because I got to pray for her and play with her and hold her and worship with her and speak life over her that I believe will... At that moment, I was watching someone else's daughter and I believed that that was gonna change her future for the rest of her life um, because of that time right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah and um, <clears throat> at, that, at that point, I was in my third trimester. We were pregnant. We decided to keep going with the foster classes and that was part of the reason why they told us, this will just be a temporary thing because we know you're pregnant and you guys have a big trip coming. Um, and so finding out that um, our foster daughter was in the hospital with a very contagious respiratory infection, that was like, I was to the point in my pregnancy, women, you know, where you're like, get this baby out of me. I'm like going on walks. It is time to get this baby out of me. And then I found that out and I'm like, keep the baby in me. God, please do whatever you can. Just keep this baby in me because to bring him into, into that environment where there's an, an, you know, someone with a very contagious infection in your home, that's, that's pretty scary. And... Um, and as I'm, um, as he's at the hospital and I'm at home and I'm cleaning everything to, to welcome our son into the world, you know, with the right detergent, you know, and sanitize everything that his precious little skin will touch, it's hitting me harder and harder that this is not how Chloe came into the world. That Jesus came into the world a lot closer to the way that Chloe did. She didn't have a bed to go home to. She didn't have a, a clean anything. She didn't have sanitized anything. She didn't even have a home to go home to. And so over and over again, it became clear that, you know, as we serve, as we serve her, we're serving Jesus. It's out of, it's out of love for him. It's not to prove or to try to gain God's approval that we're doing good things, but it's because we know God loves us so much that we want to share that love with other people. And it's the same thing for our kids too. We could have, you know, said, well, you know, what is this going to do to our kids? This is too much. But it wasn't that they were in the way of what God was calling us to do. They were a part of it. They, they have a calling too. It was a part of what God wanted to do in them. And he's grown their character so much. And he's um, grown their faith so much. And he's brought out giftings in them. It was about their calling too. And I remember before, um, before we did this, we talked to, to them and we were saying, you know, this is what it means could mean that, you know, someone is in our family for two years and we love them with everything that we have and then we have to say goodbye. And I remember my son saying, well, I just want them to be with us long enough so we can tell them about Jesus. And, um, and so a couple years go by and, um, and our, our foster daughter, she sings about Jesus. <laughs> Just this morning, she was praying for her little brother because he hurt his toe. And I walk in the room, and they both got their, their heads bowed, and she's got her hand on his toe and praying for him. They said, Jesus, yes, amen. <laughs> um, and so months go by, and we're not really seeing much of her biological family, so it's looking more and more like we could be her family. Oh, my goodness, wow. What, what a blessing to us that we would be able to, to have her in our family, to love her forever. That would be amazing. And, um, and then foster care workers start asking us, would you be open to adoption? Would you be interested in adopting her? And we're saying yes, yes. And as I'm walking around um, through Target one late at, late at night, and I see happy families who look more like her, and I'm thinking, I don't, she doesn't look like us. So if I say yes 
to adopting her? What if she grows up and she's gonna wish that she's gonna wish she had a different family? What if I can't be the perfect mom for her? God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can be the perfect family for her. And I just felt God stop me and say, what she needs is someone who's gonna fight for her. And that's what kids need. They need they need people who are filled with his spirit to pray for them, to show up for them when nobody else will. To, to show up for them, to cut off rejection and abandonment, to teach them about who Jesus is, to teach them that they are loved, that they are seen, that God has a plan for their life. That's who they need. And so if you have it in your mind that you're not in the, I don't know, in the perfect position or, or look the part, they don't need someone who just looks the part. They need someone who's going to bring the good news to them. Yeah. And, um, you know, a foster care and adoption is not for people who just have a wide open schedule and just have everything together. <laughs> it's, for, it's for those of you who would say, I believe I'm called and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give. I'm going to lay down my life and God, I'm trusting that you're going <laughs> to lift me back up because that's what's happened over and over again. And that's why we share the harder moments because every time that it seems so hard and I'm like, God, how am I going to do this? You called me here. You've got to get me through this because I can't do this. He does over and over and over again. And um, Luke uh, 30, sorry, Luke 6, 38 has been a verse that God's been um, just revealing to me so much, and it's give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And we've just seen this over and over again, that whether it's with a go big with our finances when we give, and it's like, this is gonna kill me. Like, what on earth, God, you have to do something that he does, and he blows our minds. And it's the same thing with foster care and with giving our time to build the next generation, to build his kingdom, when we lay ourselves down to the point where it's like, God, only you can raise me up at this point. He does. And, um, you know, he leaves us stronger than before. Um, so I met her, her biological mom, and I actually wasn't supposed to because it, um, it wasn't supposed to be a safe for, for me and our family, but, um, but God, God just kind of made it happen. We met, and man, God's spirit was, was there, and, and she just broke down crying, and she, she thanked us for taking care of Chloe, and she said, I believe God wanted me to meet you. And I was able to tell her, we love you, we pray for you all the time, even before I ever met you, before I knew what you looked like, I loved you, and I just wanna thank you for, I knew that she had been pressured to have an abortion when she was pregnant with Chloe. And I thanked her for not having that abortion that Chloe has changed my life, that I'd gotten to, to be, you know, to know her. And um, so I was able to thank her. And um, it was just one of the most miraculous things I've experienced was to be able to pray with her. I asked her if I could pray for her and pray with her. And, um, and she, was just, she was just weeping. It was God's presence was, was with us. And I still pray for her. And I believe that that we're gonna be worshiping God together someday, and I look forward to that so much. Um, we're actually in the process of adopting Chloe now. Wow. And, um, oh. <laughs> there are times when God calls us to something, and, we, and it's more than what we can handle, and we need to ask for help. And I just, I wanna encourage you that if you feel like this is more than you can handle, then maybe that is God. God calling you sometimes when I, I think I can, I can handle something and I've got it and I, I'll be able to org, organize my way through it. I'll be able to push through it and work through it. It's probably not 
God's probably calling me to something bigger where I actually need other people to do it. And I just, this church has been such a, a huge blessing to Chloe. Um, the people in the nursery, she, that's church to her. That's how she knows what going to church is. And she knows them by name. And they, they were there, you know, at the youth trip. They were holding her and they were caring for her. She knows who Caleb Sellers is. And she will know, she knew him since she was a newborn. And she will know for the rest of her life that she is important to him and that he loves her. And so whether it's fostering, adopting, working in the nursery, volunteering, kids need to see Jesus in their life. They need to see him show up through us. What, I want, what I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Ryan and, and Grace to, um, to do right now is I want to do two separate prayers right now. I want to pray for anyone who has adopted or has been adopted or has uh, fostered. I'd like you to stand up right now if you don't mind. Could you, could you do that? And I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Aslan to actually pray over you guys. Just a blessing upon you for God to actually give you every resource under the sun. And then once you're finished, I'm going to ask a, a, a different group of people to stand up and then I'll ask Pastor Ryan to do it. Could you, could you take us lead us there? God, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for the stories of redemption. I thank you that you over and over again, that you've shown that you show up in the hardest place, in the broken places, yeah. and that you use what the enemy meant for evil and that you use it for our good. Yes. That you do that in our families. You do that when we reach out to, to care for others. You do that when we, we need help. We need other people to reach out and help us. So God, I just, I thank you for um, the verse in Psalms 126 that says, those who reap with tears will, will go out, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And I speak that over the people who are standing, the people who are online right now who have said, yes, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part of your redemption stories, God. I want to be a part of you tearing down walls and building new generations, new stories, God, that they will that they will see that resurrection, God. Yes, God. They will they will be a part of just reaping with songs of joy. That they will see that everything that they've laid down, everything that they've um, walked away from, that you are returning it to them, God. Yes, God. Tenfold that you are you give them the provision, you give them everything that they need. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stay in this, this moment of prayer. <clears throat> I want to invite now anyone who feels that God has been moving in their heart with this. Now, when I say moving in your heart, it doesn't mean you're about to do adoptions right now or you're about to take on foster care. There are so many different layers and levels to this for us to be the hands of Christ and the feet of Christ. It could be literally financial support. It could be adopting a child in a third country, a third world country, and they stay there, but you get a report every month and you actually send money to support them. It could be that just as they had said, you know, with just how many people had supported them and bringing them meals. Something that's in your heart, though, that is moving, that you're like, I want God to help me take a next step. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I want to be a part of that. If that's you, I want you to stand right now. I'm going to ask Pastor Ryan to pray over you as well right now. Come on. You can feel it. You just know there's something in your heart. Just like, ah, man, I don't know where this is going and I'm scared to admit that, that I think God is moving in my heart. Pastor Ryan, can you lead us in prayer over them? you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much that, uh, 
that your heart is to adopt us. And um, when we really see that, we can't help but go and reach out to others in, in any way that you've called us to. God, I ask that right now your spirit would move yes, and you would stir us up to have the, the heart of the Father to seek and save the lost. God, that you'd move us yes, to do something, not just have a dream and not just have a yes. goal that's been on our heart, not just have an urge that's been in the back of our mind for years, but we'd actually step yes. forward and do something. God, we would move and we would have an impact on these kids that need help, on these families that, are, that need help. God, I just ask that you would show us where we need to lay down our comfort so that we can comfort others. God, you'd show us how we can uh, use our abundance to share with those that have nothing. God, I ask that you would move powerfully right now and put a, put a vision in our mind. God, put a next step right in front of our path. God, put a connection today. God, let us have, have you move us forward. God, that we're going to make the decision and we're going to follow you wherever you would lead us. Holy Spirit, right now we ask that you would move us to the next step in your kingdom and what you have for us. In yes, Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise this morning. And if you want to find out more information about all this stuff, if you can go to the table at the back, um, um, I believe uh, Joy and her team will be back there um, uh, to give you more information about some next steps, how you can be involved, or what, 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 what the future could look like just for you. Um, we have maybe about uh, between five and ten minutes left, and I'm just going to bring what I think God has actually put in my heart this morning. And I'm going to be, we're going to be talking about this widows and orphans thing. Um, uh-huh. Everyone can do something for a vulnerable child in their community. There you go. Right. Okay. So here is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about beep beep. Beep beep. What is beep beep? Has anyone ever been in traffic and you know the traffic was, it was like rush hour traffic and you got to the light, but you're actually the 10th car behind nine other cars, and you know fine well that traffic light's going to change, and if the person at the front isn't going to move, I'm going to miss that light. Has anyone ever been there before? Right? You ever been there? And it's frustrating. It's annoying, because you know there's a good chance they're checking on their Instagram feed, right? And they can't see the green light as well as look at their screen at the same time. And then the light changes, and you're like, come on, come on, come on. They're not moving. They're not moving. Beep, beep. Anyone beep, beeps? But if you're really frustrated, you just go beep, right? Now, if you're the second car behind the first car and you do the beep, beep, my father used to do this where he would just take his fist and he would just like pound on it twice so it wasn't too intense. It was like a friendly beep, beep, right? It was like beep, beep, like that, right? So it's not a beep, beep, it's a meep, meep. And that's just enough to go, hey, the green's light, the light's green. If you'd like to go, we'll, we'll, we'll go with you. And they're like, oh, thank you, right? Or if they beep a little too intense, they take it personally, they get offended, and then they wave at you with one finger, right? <laughs> Have you ever been in that place before? You're like, use all fingers when waving. Beep, beep. James was the half-brother of John. Sorry, half-brother of Jesus. And when he wrote his book, his entire book was what we call an action book. He was constantly punching his fist in his hand saying, just do it. Just do something. Go make it happen. Faith without works is. That's what he said. That's, he's the guy who said that. And he said this one thing and he gave a description of what God's religion is, what God expects for us. And he said this, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, 
to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Here's James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, and he's literally giving us a spiritual nudge. He's given us a beep-beep. Or maybe some of you are actually hearing a beep, a long beep, when you're actually reading this. Maybe you feel a rebuke when you're actually reading this. And James is explaining what real religion is. Now, religion for many people means many different things. Some, it's just a set of beliefs. But some of us actually, many people perceive religion as a lifeless, duteous, repetitive subjugation to God. But when James is talking about religion, he's literally talking about a ceremonious worship that's vocal and demonstrative. What does that mean in plain English? It means this. It's when your words and your actions honor the one that you call God. That's how I believe the world is changed by us. It's not just that, 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 that we do good things, but they actually see that what we say matches what we do. And when what we say and what we do are two different things, I believe the world has a reason to not actually believe what we have to say. When James was talking in his scriptures and when he was actually saying that, I actually believe he was probably just finished, I can just imagine this, he had just finished reading the book of Isaiah because when he was reading Isaiah, Isaiah is such a major beep, beep book. And in this, this, uh, this, this section in Isaiah chapter 1, 13 to 17, I'm going to be reading from the message. He says, quit your worship charades. Quit your worship charades, right? Stop looking like you're religious. And get into what is real. He says, I can't stand, this is God speaking, quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, 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 meetings. I can't stand one more, so I'll send coronavirus to shut you all down. I added that part in. Okay. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, religion, religion. Well, you go right on sinning. What's the sinning part he's referring to? We'll see that in a second. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. Sting like a bee. God knows how to bring it, right? If you've ever been in the position when you feel like you've asked God and you've asked God and I just don't know if he's hearing, I just don't know, maybe he's looking the other way. Maybe he doesn't need any more prayers. Maybe he needs you to beep, beep, get on, get moving, get somewhere and do something because your faith without works is beep, beep. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I'll not be listening. And do you know Why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are bloody. Go home and wash up. Clean up your act. Sweep your lives clean of your evil doings. It's exactly what James said. He said, religion that is pure and faultless, pure, clean of your evil doings, so I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless, go to the bat, go to bat for the defenseless. The NIV says it a little bit better in that last sentence because it literally says, take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. You see, they're both right there. Talk about getting tense where God is saying, listen, I need you to stop the prayers, the meetings, and just go do something. 
Well, when are we all going to be gathering back together? When are we going to get back to normal? This is the normal. Our faith never stopped during the lockdown. Our evangelism to those that need to hear about Christ didn't stop during the lockdown. Our ability to speak the words of Christ didn't stop during the lockdown. The ability to seek and pray for God's Spirit to move in our lives, through us and in us, for those that still need to hear about Christ, that didn't stop during the lockdown. So what happened to the church? Well, we're just waiting because we can't do this, we can't do that. Yes, you can. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. It's time for us to move forward. It's time for us to embrace what it is that we're meant to do. Now, some of you are maybe not doing it. Some of you are only halfway doing it. But I believe that every person, even if you are doing something great, you're called to something greater. Always called to something greater. You've never gotten to the completion of your ministry here on earth. There is more for you to do. And you're like, but I don't have any more to give. I've got no more ability to be able to do it. It's not about you. And it's not about your resources. God will always give you provision for the vision. Your job is to dream and to be ready to move when the traffic light changes. When God turns it to green, it's ready. You have to be ready to move and do something about this. This whole Sunday has been about the widows and the orphans. And that is the closest thing we know, as James said, that is the closest thing we can understand to what it is in God's heart. Religion that God your Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I have no word of encouragement for you this morning. I only have a beep beep for you. And it's either going to be a quick hunk hunk like that, and hopefully you'll move. And if it's not, then God will actually bring in a truck horn for you. And he'll be sitting right behind you going, Hong! and you can give him all the types of waves, one-fingered waves that you want. But let me tell you, he'll just drive all over you because he'll get to where he wants to get to, with or without you. Are you with us on this thing? It's time for us to go big and see God move for 2021 like we've never seen before. I am all in. Are you all in? Come on, let's stand this morning as we end our service. Father God, we are grateful that you are making it very clear. We don't have to guess what's in your heart. We don't have to guess what you expect from us. We are very clear on what you expect from us, and that is that we give ourselves willingly as vessels to you so that you can use us whichever way you want to do the things that are in your heart, to be able to do the things, to be able to reach the people that are in your heart is what we're trying to say. And for all of our online family right now, I just pray that they are feeling this urge in their heart too. Uh, you're, they're asking the same thing. Right now, you're our, you're our family, you're online. Ask God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to give? Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you be filled with His Spirit from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet to overflowing. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Let's give a shout of praise to God, shall we? Come on.